Tristan Jari was brilliant. Skaters in front of him couldn't score to save their lives. And the team ended up with a semi-favorable, somewhat acceptable outcome. This could be the storyline for pretty much three-quarters of the season to date, right? Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. Flames 2, Penguins 1 via shootout last night at the Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta. The shootout winner came off the blade of Michael Backlund in the seventh round, and the shootout, as ever, doesn't matter. I mean, it's nice to get the extra point and everything else, but it's not worth analyzing unless there's some massive trend in one direction or the other. And Jari, as I mentioned, was brilliant, and the shootout really wasn't an exception. Jari finished with 31 saves through regulation and OT, and truth be told, if he wasn't everything that he actually was, the Flames would have skated away with this thing. That's a pretty good team. They've got skill, size, speed, and a seven-foot goaltender in Jacob Markstrom. And it should have been expected that they'd be maybe the hardest two points for the Penguins to achieve on this four-game trip that now has them going through Edmonton, Vancouver, and then the inaugural visit to Seattle. And I guess you can give credit where it's due, but I'm going to be honest with you here. When I'm looking at this hockey team right now, what stands out in the worst way is they can't score. They can't score. Last six games now, 11 goals. 11 goals in six games. And this is with Sidney Crosby and a lot of other guys back. I understand Brian Rust is missing, but Brian Rust shouldn't be your distinction between scoring and not scoring as a team. Why are they not getting goals? Well, the number one reason is the power play. And I'm purposely bringing that up this morning after the only goal they scored last night was on a power play and on a really, really nice sequence. Sid was over on the right half wall, looked to the high slot, looked to the low slot. Jake Gensel was high. Jeff Carter was low. Sid feeds it something of a an aerial pass that Jake and his very high skill level was able to reach out and poke and redirect through Markstrom and in turn through the screen that Carter had set. It's kind of how power plays are supposed to work. Really well done. In fact, overall, the power play has kind of looked okay. So what's the problem? They don't get any. <laughs> I mean, they, they have 61 total power play opportunities through their 21 games. That's, that's three a game. And that's not good enough. 
That, of course, is not so much the domain of the skill guys because the way NHL officiating works is they'll reward the pluggers who take spills or who are known to be churning their legs through a hook or a hold and make it really obvious that there's an infraction or even a mythical infraction being committed against them. And this team doesn't have a whole lot of that. I'm not going to be one to point out every single time Brandon Tanev scores a goal for the Kraken, although he did have another one last night in beating Buffalo 7-4. to And I'm not going to point out every time as Jared McCann or whatever else here, but these guys, uh, in particular Tanev, could be really, really good at drawing penalties. This team doesn't have that. Evan Rodriguez is probably as close as you come to having that type because he's constantly whirling around, buzzing around, and he did again last night in Calgary. And anytime another team is facing a player doing that, there is a temptation to put the stick or a free hand onto that player and slow them down. This team doesn't have that trait. This team doesn't draw penalties. And as a result, this team's power play never gets going, even when it's looking like it could. And then, in turn, they don't score goals. Like, overall, they just don't score goals. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the very good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania, they in turn need your help. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how $1 from you can be turned into five full meals for those in need. pittsburghfoodbank.org It's easy and at least a little bit lazy to look at the Penguins' overall roster and say, Okay, well, this guy here has always scored this many goals, so those goals are going to come. This guy over here has always scored this many goals and piled up that many assists, so they're going to come. And oh, by the way, Evgeny Malkin is on the trip, and for the first time yesterday at the Saddle Dome, was allowed to skate with the team. Mike Sullivan had described it as uh, a, a nice little milestone for him in his return. But he's not going to solve this problem. Five-on-five scoring, as I've been saying all along, is not going to solve this problem. Putting 50 shots on Jake Allen like they did the other night when the Canadians were in town is not going to solve this problem. The power play will. But the power play needs opportunities in order to produce goals. The greatest power plays in hockey history have not scored goals without opportunities. So what I'm thinking more here is that this team needs to do a lot more, including on the remainder of this trip, toward being aggressive and making sure that referees know that they are the aggressors. Jeff Carter brought this up in a sense 
last night in Calgary. We just didn't have any juice. We couldn't get going. We couldn't get up on pucks and forecheck, and uh, it just seemed like we were we were slow all night. And uh, you know, when we did get pucks in their end, they were just coming out too easy. So Jake Gensel addressed it as well. They were up in fives, but um, I think for us, we just weren't crisp in the, uh, the whole game. So um, I'm not sure really what it was, but I think for us, I think we just gotta get back to keeping it simple and playing on our toes. And, and if we do that, I like our chances. And I'm not gonna go and suggest anybody starts taking spills you know uh, any team that does a lot of diving um, is ultimately going to end up paying more of a price for that than any rewards that it would reap but you know get some power play opportunities skate through it skate through it work hard take that stick feel that stick in the ribs and churn and churn let the ref know no, don't just try to avoid it or dodge it or shove it out of your stomach. Let them know you're being hooked or held. Use that speed. When we come back, just one question. Brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T, Sportsnet, Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this program a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Go to FuboTV.com/dk. No contract, no catch. Cancel anytime. FuboTV.com slash DK. Our J1Q comes from David Zanoli, who asks, why did the Penguins stay with high shots in the shootout when low shots might have been the way to go? Everyone who was here watching the game was shouting, shoot low, and I'm surprised the Penguins did not hear us in the saddle dome. At which point I wrote back to David asking, where he was. He's in the Meadowlands down in Washington County. So no, they weren't going to pick up on your advice. That said, your advice was completely sound. The science for shootouts in the NHL is almost as limited as the science for three-on-three overtime. If you'll recall, when three-on-three overtime debuted, a lot of coaches, and Mike Sullivan was one of them, would state, and I mean openly, that there's just not a lot of strategy to be had out there. That, of course, ended up not being the case and probably not something that Sullivan and the other coaches who were saying at the time would be all that proud of right now. Of course there was strategy to be had. Phil Kessel started skating out of the zone, back to the red line. Remember that? Wow, Phil just reinvented hockey. And then everybody started doing it. I actually don't know if Phil was the pioneer. He's just the first one I noticed doing it because that's the team I was covering. But these things matter. The shootouts matter as well. And you're starting to see coaches, instead of saying, eh, this isn't really hockey, we're not going to waste our time on this, starting to apply themselves. This was, last night in Calgary, the Penguins' fifth Shootout lost. Five points. 
in the standings is a really, really big deal. And doubly so in a competitive division like the Metro. Those five points plus whatever else they happen to lose in shootouts the rest of the way, they hurt. So do the OT losses. It's a big, big chunk of your overall production as a team, and coaches absolutely should be taking all of it more seriously, certainly more seriously than they did at the outset. What's this have to do with Jacob Markstrom being seven feet tall and the Penguins trying to shoot over him? It, it's this. There really isn't that much science or prep work or analytics that go into shootouts. And I'm not guessing at this because I've asked the participants. More often than not, you'll see a goalie or a shooter go and huddle with someone over by the bench or a backup goalie gets involved because he'll have done a little bit of scouting on his own. And it's extremely informal. It's ridiculously informal. So last night when you're watching Chris Letang come down the ice on Markstrom and you know and I know and everyone in Western Pennsylvania knows exactly what move is forthcoming... Why on earth wouldn't Markstrom know? Latang has, I, I mean, he's scored on some forehand attempts in shootouts over the years, but not a ton and certainly not anywhere close to what he's pulled off with that very same backhand move that he used to casually, casually beat Markstrom. So the Penguins had some kind of thought that Markstrom, and I've heard this from them myself, that Markstrom isn't going to move all that well upstairs, that he has a tendency to freeze at times. I heard that about Markstrom when he was back in Vancouver. Okay, still seven feet tall, or whatever he actually is. And the same Penguins will tell you, Mike Matheson mentioned this to me just a couple of weeks ago, that Markstrom is known to be susceptible on east-west stuff. Who tried east-west stuff out of all those shootout attempts that the Penguins have? It was Rodriguez who used the Latang move and would have scored if he hadn't lost the puck, and Latang himself. And everyone else just skated down the rink and tried to shoot upstairs on the seven-foot goaltender. All of this is going to be advanced someday. That's how sports roll. That's how analytics roll. They'll gradually become more influential in this component whenever somebody sees that one team somewhere in the NHL starts owning shootouts. And it's not just because they have a couple of guys who are wizards at it, but because they've done some actual scouting and homework. This isn't happening in the National Hockey League. This isn't a singular indictment of Mike Sullivan and his staff, any more than it is of the other 31. Nobody's doing this right now. And that's really got to change because it's a lot of points in the standings to just say, oh, well, this isn't real hockey. They're real points. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, and we will do another one tomorrow.